16th, 2023. Meeting of the Palm Desert City Council's successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority. Uh, having previously adjourned to closed session, uh, please call the roll. Councilmember Harnick. Here. Councilmember Nestandy. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Present. Councilmember Truby. Here. Mayor Kelly. Also here. All council is present. Uh, Councilmember Harnick will lead us in the pledge, after which I will offer our inspiration invocation for this evening. Please rise and remove your hats if you're wearing one. Thank you. Uh, this is Black History Month. Thurgood Marshall was the first African-American to serve on the United States Supreme Court. His father was a steward in a whites-only country club. After completing college, Thurgood Marshall was denied admission uh, to the University of Maryland School of Law based on his race. He completed law school elsewhere, became a highly successful advocate with the NAACP challenging uh, many of the obstacles that he had faced. And on the Supreme Court, uh, participated in changing the policy at the University of Maryland School of Law. So I offer this quote from Thurgood Marshall. The major of a country's greatness is its ability to retain compassion in time of crisis. May Palm Desert always be great. Feel free. I think you're right. <laughs> Is there a report from closed session? Direction was given, but no reportable actions were taken. Thank you. Which brings us to a wonderful presentation, a proclamation to Malcolm David McFarland. Please come forward. <laughs>
So almost everything good in the city of Palm Desert happens because of the citizens on patrol who are, yes. Every single Civic Center event hinges on their support. Our recycling that we all enjoy so much hinges on their support. And all of that is made possible by Dave McFarlane, who plans the logistics that uh, support all of their volunteer work. And I'm informed he has to use his PhD on those logistics. <laughs> so whereas Malcolm David McFarlane has regularly volunteered full time for the Citizens on Patrol program, for more than a decade, assuming duties as lieutenant in 2018. And whereas he has developed the operational plan for all major events, coordinating the services of other volunteers and assuring smooth implementation, whereas he has exemplified a strong sense of volunteerism, civic pride, and commitment to betterment of his community. And whereas these efforts and qualities have inspired the service of others and been key to the effectiveness of the COPS program, therefore, as mayor, I am pleased to declare today Malcolm David McFarland Day in the city of Palm Desert and beyond. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, as Dirty Harry said, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> well, these guys have made my day in spades. Not only has it made it uh, David McFarlane Day, but also there's this wonderful award they're uh, presenting, honoring me for the service I've done to uh, Palm Desert. As, the, uh, as a citizen on patrol. And this, this type of award ceremony is what really the cops work for, and we enjoy our, our appreciation and recognition of what we do. And it's not only me, but I have my colleagues out here, and I think that this award and recognition is just as important for them as, as it is for us, for us. Not only the ones who are here, but the ones who have worked who are not here and the ones who have retired from our organization. They've just done a great job, and they deserve all the credit, as much credit as I do for making things happen here. I'd also um, like to uh, uh, appreciate my wife over there. She has, without her support and uh, encouragement, <laughs> She says, I married you for better or worse, but not for lunch every day. So she sends me out to do patrol in the city of Palm Desert. <laughs> I'd also like to uh, recognize uh, Jeff Alley. He's been our captain for the 10 years that I've also been, uh, not for the full years, but for the most of it. And he's been a leader in our organization. I also want to thank uh, and recognize Earl Wolf. Earl, could you stand? Earl has been with the organization. <laughs> for 
16 years as a member and officer and has been a driving force behind what we're doing. I especially want to thank the uh, City Council for your continued support of the COPS program and what we do. And I also uh, want to thank the City of Palm Desert. City of Palm Desert supplies us with our vehicles, our radios, our uniforms, our facilities, all the logistics support we need to do our job. And without the, uh, the support and all the things that you guys do for us, it wouldn't happen either. Finally, I want to thank the uh, members of the uh, Riverside uh, Sheriff's Department, the uh, Palm Desert Station back there. They also give us a lot of support and encouragement for what we do. And uh, I'd also want to give a special thank you, that she's not here, for uh, CSO Stacy Austin, who's a representative from the, uh, from the Sheriff's Department who just does a fine job in taking care of us. So again, uh, thank you very much for the award. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm watching the secret. Uh, city manager comments. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, we do have two updates for the city council tonight. Our HR manager, Andrew Staley, is going to provide. Right, speak to your microphone. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Our, our HR manager, Andrea Staley, is going to provide council and the public a quick overview of a program that we set up about a year ago uh, called Palm Desert University. Uh, so I'd like to turn it over to Andrea to take it away. Thank you, and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. Um, good afternoon, Honorable Mayor and distinguished council members. My name is Andrea Staley, and I serve as the HR manager here at the City of Palm Desert. My name is Amber Molina, and I'm the Human Resources Analyst. So we're here today to provide a presentation and information on one of the city's professional development programs for its, our, our employees here. It's Palm Desert University, or as we call it uh, internally, is PDU. So what PDU is, it's a cohort-based model for city of Palm Desert employees to learn grow and strengthen relationships. We ask for submissions into the particular program and each cohort is comprised of a variety of different level of employees, a variety of different tenured employees, um, and just a variety of different people in different departments, which is kind of the blessing and the wonderfulness of the particular program. So we ask for applications, and then we also select individuals in order to fill out the program. So that's what it is, and it's a cohort-based model in order to have people grow and develop and, you know, just come together. So the beginning stages of building the program, we wanted to establish clear, clear goals. Um, we have these four goals here. 
First one is to learn. So we wanted to provide the opportunity for all staff to be on the same page about how we work, the processes of the decisions we make and why, and also learn about each other and how we can help each other. The next goal was to improve. So we wanted to also provide the opportunity for everyone to learn different tools on how, to they, how they can improve in their position and serve the citizens and also be a better asset to the city of Palm Desert. Another goal was to um, enhance communication. So communicating internally and externally, we had different programs and sessions on how we can better communicate internally to be more efficient and um, also work on different processes that could be more helpful to our residents. And lastly, grow. So we have a lot of team building um, sessions where we can learn how to improve ourselves, be better in our positions, and also work together to um, reach our common goals. After establishing those goals, we, we created this curriculum. So first, the first section of the program is to introduce everyone to Palm Desert. We have a welcome session from our city manager where we have the opportunity to ask all of the questions we have. And um, so that was our part of our first session. We also have a speed networking with departments so that we can all learn about how we, um, all of our responsibilities within the, the city and also a teamwork exercise. Workplace culture, we had a few sessions in this area. First was public speaking and presentations and expectations on those, um, those tools. Also public engagement, using technology to be more efficient and learning about city government 101 was very important in that, in that section. Leadership expectations. Again, learning from what our city manager expects of us. Uh, we were lucky to view our goal setting session yesterday, so that was also a good, um, a new part of this cohort. And we also did site and job tours where we got to learn more about what everyone does day to day, how their workspace is, and um, new, we got to learn about the, excuse me, I'm sorry, learn about our goals and how we can work better together. And the last section of the program is professional development. So we also had a city manager panel where we invited local city managers to come and share their experience, their career progression, and how they ended up where they are now. We also had an interview panel. So we had directors and HR um, sit on the panel where our cohort members can ask about how they can do better in interviewing and all of those pieces. And we also had a speed, co speed coaching, so some people were able to let us know what positions they are interested in, and we had mock interviews for them as well. So as, <laughs> have to lower it. Um, so as part of the learning methods, we know that everyone learns differently. And so as part of this particular program, we have a variety of assignments, speakers and activities. We have a mentorship program, and then we have a final project. So the, the assignments range from everything really easy and fun, such as getting to know someone you don't know. We actually recently found out that one of our employees who had been here for about 15 years had never met another one of our employees 
who had been here for 20 years. So that right there is a win in itself, considering um, those individuals got to meet each other. We have speakers, a lot of them are internal, but we also have brought in an outside speaker to talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is really nice. We do just um, different personality tests so that way everyone can get to know each other. And then we have a wonderful mentorship program where all of our wonderful directors serve as mentors for our cohort members and they're assigned particular individuals to work with them. And then the final project puts it all together with um, community outreach and um, public speaking and just a project that they want to bring to the city. The results, so we have currently 48 uh, employees have gone through two cohorts. We have six um, mentors, as I've mentioned. We've increased communication. Um, our cohort members are more confident to ask questions and take chances. We have heard several times that um, several of our cohort members wouldn't be doing certain things that they're doing, applying for jobs, applying for different leadership positions personally um, before PDU. And we've seen really, really positive feedbacks. So, so with that, I want to, before I show a wonderful picture, I want everyone who is either a mentor or is currently in um, cohort two, which they name themselves um, cohort perfect. Prof Profectus, Profectus, which is Latin, so thanks guys, and it means the act of progressing and moving forward. So if you're in cohort Profectus or cohort Alpha, which was the first cohort name, um, or you serve as a mentor, I would like you to stand up, and so that way you can get the applause you deserve. So these fantastic, wonderful, amazing city employees that we are so grateful to have, have either going through the program or currently going through the program. And um, we just are really, really proud of them. And I feel so honored to bring this program here to the city. So thank you everyone for, and thank you for coming. I didn't force them to come, it was volunteer. <laughs> um, so this is one of uh, two favorite pictures that I have. So we have cohort alpha right there on the right hand side. That's the graduating class. And then we did a team building session, um, which is on the left hand side as I'm looking at it with um, Martine and Eric leading the session in their baseball uniforms um, for our team building session. So with that, like I said, we're extremely honored to bring this program. We're extremely appreciative for everyone that's participating, and we're really hoping that this just continues to grow, and we're excited to present this to you. And with that, I'm available for questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Thank you, Mayor. For the, uh, for the next update, I've, I've asked uh, Paula Simons with the uh, YMCA to uh, talk to the council a little bit and the public to outline some changes to staffing hours right now. Uh, they are dealing with some, uh, some challenges uh, recruiting, retaining employees. So I wanted her to, her to take the opportunity to inform you what's going on. Uh, staff and I will be working closely with her to, as we move forward to see what we can do about normalizing operations. But we thought this was a good opportunity to bring everybody up to speed on what is happening. 
Well, thank you, Todd and uh, Madam Mayor and Council members and city staff uh, for this opportunity to share where the Family YMCA of the Desert management staff is with current temporary change of hours in Palm Desert Aquatic Center. I also have David Keyes, who is our pod Palm Desert Aquatics manager here as well to answer any questions. Um, you've been provided the uh, slide deck, so we'll go to that in a little bit. Um, in the past two years, there have been four unique hours of operational changes, and this is the first time that the 5.30 a.m. timeframe has experienced this. It's always been the standard to maintain safety, quality, consistency, and with the lack of lifeguard availability, we didn't and don't want to compromise any of these critical areas. Due to three full-time staff members recently providing two-week notice, two leaving due to school commitments, one leaving the area, it created a lack of availability of staff for scheduled 5.30 a.m. opening. In review of current staff schedules and availability, it was decided for the time being, until we can hire new lifeguards, operational hours would change to open at 8 a.m. In order to do this, we also have our current Palm Desert Aquatic Center manager, maintenance manager, and lifeguard supervisor scheduled to be on the lifeguard stands to open at 8 a.m. One area that is a challenge for a PDAC is the depth of the 15 and a half foot pool and the lack of those that are applying for these positions who can complete the required certification and prerequisites to become a lifeguard. The second area of challenge that, has, that we have is we have 35 lifeguards of which 21 of them are high school students. So they're able to work after school and on the weekends and this does help to open at 7 a.m. on the weekends. Our current solution to this temporary situation is to continue to actively promote, as we have been doing, and recruit for hiring. Work with the city staff to review higher market rate wage scale for approval and to assist with hiring and retention, as well as to continue to network with other aquatic centers for potential proven steps to address filling staffing shortages. It's understood that the impact to the PDAC patrons is hard and it's our priority to reopen at 5.30 a.m. as soon as possible. Again, we wanna operate the Palm Desert Aquatic Center with safety, quality, and consistency that the Family YMCA of the Desert staff has done and since the opening in 2011. So we appreciate your time and we are here to answer any questions and um, we really look forward to opening it again at 5.30 a.m. but right now it's a guard staffing issue. So we're happy to answer questions. Um, there are some points up there, it doesn't look very good but the blue, that's hard to see, I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, okay, if you have any questions at this time. We, we read in the paper today that uh, Palm Springs is facing the same challenge Let's just make sure we pay more than they do. <laughs> Questions? Uh, I, I have a comment, if I may. Yes. And, and it's very much uh, like what the mayor said. This is the staffing issue is something we're experiencing in its industry after industry after industry. It is not unique to this pool. It may be more difficult to find, though, people to fill those positions. But we saw it in the newspaper today. They had to close their pool because they didn't have uh, enough staffing. So this is uh, a difficult situation. Thank you for taking it on the best way you can. And I know that uh, we'll, we'll find a way. Thank you.
Council Member Nestante. Yes, thank you, Mayor. And hi, uh, Paula. Thank you for your presentation. And I know you've been thinking outside the box and trying to, you know, make make the 5.30 a.m. swim happen. And one suggestion that one of the swimmers had mentioned to me was perhaps this group, a few of them could get trained as lifeguards and then they could rotate in terms of who could be a lifeguard at 5.30 a.m. Is, is this a possibility? There's two ways to look at it. There's been discussion as a volunteer base. Um, that is one area that we do need to look at. And then the other areas, if they were to hire and be hired as staff, absolutely. And we've opened it up. And again, this has been some ongoing conversation that we've had. So I would say at this point, everything is open for conversation, but it would be more of a hiring employee status. Okay, so is there another planned meeting with, with the swimmers and, and staff that you know of that's coming up? Um, I've not been made aware of anyone, but we are always um, open to setting up meetings. I've had quite a few of them and um, always happy to sit down and talk with our patrons. Okay, I'll follow up with staff then just to make sure we, we get an, uh, another meeting here sooner rather than later. Thank Perfect. you, Paula. Of course, thank mm -hmm. you. Mayor M. Thank you, Madam Mayor. First, I'd like to, to thank you, and uh, I can't imagine what you must be going through because you're the face of the bad guy, and everybody wants to, to let you know that somehow it's your fault. Um, I wanted to ask, since Palm Springs has reduced their hours, how much overflow have you seen in people that want to come use the facilities here? I'm going to turn that over to David. He's... We've seen a lot. A lot of people are very frustrated that they are not sure when they can go to Palm Springs. They, they've displayed that to us, that they rather just come to us knowing we're gonna be open the hours that we're saying we're gonna be open. Uh, so we have seen an influx of swimmers lately because they are frustrated with, unfortunately, what's happening with Palm Springs where they're advertising hours and they have someone call out sick and then they can't even open that day. So we're getting more of a consistent group that's coming to us from Palm Springs because they know at least when we advertise our hours, we'll make sure we're open the hours we're advertised. Thank you. And my other question is somewhere in one of the reports um, or the newspaper I had read that the part of the challenges of having the 15 and a half feet could have been addressed by having a diving board that was supposed to be installed. Did I misread that? No, that would have been in the inception of the aquatic center when city council was voting at that time. Council voted to build the pool in case you ever wanted to put a 10 meter diving platform like one of those giant platforms. So that's why the pool was built that way. And because we're not on the coast and there's not really diving and diving's actually gone away in a lot of areas in California, we are now stuck currently with the pool with 15 and a half feet without a giant diving platform that no one would really be able to use anyhow. Um, so that's, that's kind of the situation we're in with, with that. What would the cost be should we try to explore all of the costs? Say that that would be a way to alleviate as we toss all of the ideas out into the universe. I, I, well, I would say we'd look into that first, just knowing at some point you're likely going to need to resurface the 50-meter pool, that I would look at that time when you're already going to drain it and resurface it to see what it takes to build that surface up. And you know, just guessing off the top of my head, resurfacing alone could be 1.5 million. That may change, but that's just me going off the numbers that I know of when the recreation pool was just resurfaced uh, this past year. And that's such a smaller body. 
Um, so it, it could be a, a very large amount and the things keep going up year after year. But I could, uh, as me and city staff could work together to find out what that actual cost could be and present that, if that's something you would like. Would there be a challenge in keeping that, that very high diving board if it means that it would increase the number of lifeguards that could potentially pass that? If, would that only be used by lifeguards or would it just sit there as a, an eyesore? Well, that, yeah, it would be, you almost need to sign off to use something like that to go that high for 10 meter. And the diving boards that we currently utilize for recreation swim is a one and a three meter, and that's in 12 and a half feet of water. So I would go, you know, have the pool just be all across 12 and a half feet in that section instead of sectioning off that one well for the 15 and a half. Because of course we need to make sure we can get down the farthest if someone were to go all the way to the bottom. Uh, so you're looking at your max, if you kept the diving boards, 12 and a half feet which we've seen success on that. Sometimes those additional three feet really make a lot for, for people trying to get that 10 pound brick. Thank you. And my final question is given um, your evaluation of the conditions of, of the aquatic center, how soon or um, how much could we delay, you know, on both ends of, of doing a resurfacing? Uh, resurfacing? Is Mike Cope asked the scope of today's presentation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't want to so, throw a, a number out there. You're seeing less impact because the recreation pool was four and a half feet, so a lot of feet touch the bottom. The only areas right now that you're looking at are that are degrading is predominantly where those first six lanes are from flip turns. So you're not seeing the bottom come up or the shallow end come up. You're just really seeing those flip turns hit. So I would, I would bring in more of a professional to give that that works on that to say it's, you know, it could be two to five years before you're really looking at resurfacing that unless you're just trying to raise that, that bottom up sooner than later. Gotcha. Thank you. I just wanted to get a, a broad understanding from all the sides to see how we could support any changes. Um, and Mayor Pro Tem, to talk onto the point of just the depth of the pool, um, if the pool wasn't that deep, we would have 10 more lifeguards at this time to kind of help put it in perspective. Thank you. Anything else? Uh, Mayor, Councilmember, reports and requests for Thank you. action, uh, beginning with Councilmember Truby. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I do have a couple of uh, comments. One report, um, or one comment, one report. I was able to attend the League of California Cities uh, Academy, which is uh, offered uh, to new uh, council members and mayors from throughout California. This took place in Universal City, February 1st, 2nd, 3rd. And I just want to say it was really very much worthwhile. And I'm very grateful to the city to investing in my professional development. I got to meet about 300, well, I didn't meet them all, but there was about 300 plus other newly minted council members and mayors, along with some veterans there as well, city managers. And uh, besides just the, the classes that were offered or the uh, lectures, Meeting my um, colleagues was just invaluable. So again, my gratitude to the city for investing in me, and I think uh, I'll be better, uh, a better servant to the city and its citizens moving forward. So thank you so much. Enjoy the heck out of that. And second, I do want to comment about the uh, cops, the uh, uh, David McFarland Day. So I was lucky enough to sit in on their meeting on uh, Monday, I'm sorry, Tuesday for the first time. And I can tell you what a great organization, uh, great work they do. The camaraderie among that group is incredible. And we're lucky to have them. I think that's the kind of thing when you have people who volunteer their time for a job as important as that. Um, it really, to me, distinguishes or uh, makes the distinction from a good city to a great city. I think that's the kind of thing that Palm Desert has going for us, uh, the COPS program in particular. 
which really sets us apart. And I'm so grateful for the work those men and women do. And I know the sheriffs uh, really appreciate them as well. And, and it's public safety among, between the sheriffs and the cops working hand in hand, uh, again, that make this city really, really wonderful place to live. So I want to put my two cents in there for the cops. I love those guys and gals. Thank you. Councilmember Arnick. Thank you, Mayor. I, I, as usual, went to a lot of meetings, did a lot of work, but I just want to mention something that for me was truly a highlight, and I think for our city it would be too. And I know for um, even this would mean a lot to Martin Alvarez. Uh, I was at Palm Desert High School representing the city when uh, the field at Palm Desert High School was dedicated as Salazar's field for Daryl Salazar, who was the coach there, mentor, teacher, for decades, literally decades. And it was really a great moment to see him being honored and, and watch him cry. I mean, it was, it was truly a wonderful moment. It was very heartfelt uh, when they dedicated the field to him. And that's all. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I've had the opportunity to learn a little bit more of the needs of our animal campus. Um, as the chair, one of the things that we discussed was the lack of veterinarians. So if you know anybody interested, encourage them to be a vet. And they, they mentioned that there has been a decline because people have heard about an outbreak of, of canine pneumonia. They said that happened in Hurupa. We're safe here, so go out there and get a, a furry loved one for your family. Um, and in terms of the uh, Cultural Arts Committee, we were very grateful that we were able to see the concepts for the new visitor center up front and get a colorful perspective of what could be instead of being an afterthought of hoping that we liked it. So that was a, a lot of gratitude to staff that worked on that. Um, I had the opportunity to rep represent the city at Coachella Valley Giving Day at the Acrisure Arena, and that was a great opportunity to network with other nonprofits and in conjunction with the RAP Foundation that has $300,000 available for um, youth intervention initiatives and $400,000 for mental health initiatives. I was present and uh, representing the city at the COVID-19 memorial that happened at the Civic Center Park, as well as um, the Guardians uh, Giving Society for the Fine Food Bank this morning. And it was a, a lot of fun to be present at the uh, 5K and half marathon. So thank you to staff for the great energy that you brought forward and coordinating that. Uh, a strong team of two um, coordinating this giant event was remarkable. So thank you, thank you, thank you for creating that opportunity and letting Palm Desert continue to shine. Thank you. And uh, Palm Desert, the city of Palm Desert reimburses the pet adoption fee for residents. So don't let the budget hold you back if you have space for a four-legged friend. Yeah. Uh, this coming week is Engineers Week. Uh, so we want to be sure to express appreciation uh, to the engineers on Palm Desert City staff, Randy Bowman and Basam Al-Badawi, thank you uh, for your education and expertise. So if you let Valentine's Day slip by, it's not too late. Show some love to an engineer uh, this, coming, this coming week. Much of life hinges on what they do.
uh, not agenda public comment. If you're here to speak on something which is on the agenda, we'll give you a chance to do that uh, before the council deliberates. But this is the time set aside uh, to speak for up to three minutes on topics which are not on the agenda. And the printed agenda, the published agenda, has provided three different ways to offer your comments. Uh, because of the Brown Act, which requires us to give notice before we take up an issue, uh, we won't be able to respond or discuss your items, uh, but we may refer them to council, uh, to staff for follow-up. Um, Mr. Clerk, would you please provide some further instructions? Uh, for those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone, please dial, dial star 9 to raise your hand, and when called upon, press star 6 to unmute yourself. And please keep your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your name for the record. We do have three folks who have filled out a card requesting to speak. Uh, Jeffrey Gregory. Uh, please come forward. And if you are so inclined, share your residence. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Um, um, did you did you want us to see that as you're speaking? Uh, if you wanted to reference it, but I'll be reading it myself. Thank you. Okay, uh, for the record, my name is Jeffrey Gregory. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, City staff, and my fellow neighbors. On October 11th, 2022, the Architectural Review Commission met to discuss the unpermitted construction of a pickleball court in our neighbor's backyard in South Palm Desert. These neighbors, who have named their rental house Pickleball Party Town, were instructed to conduct a sound study to measure the decibel levels emanating from a game of pickleball on their court. The results would be issued to the planning department for further review with the architectural review commissioners. Today is February 16th, 2023. In the more than 18 weeks that have passed since the October 11th meeting, our neighbors have not submitted a sound study to the planning department and continue to advertise their house for rent with their latest update in January offering a February price slash for a pickleball playground. After speaking with the planner three days ago, I was disappointed to find out the city has done nothing 
to enforce compliance with the municipal code. As a licensed architect, I regularly consult with the planning department so that our projects conform to and comply with the city's standards and zoning regulations. However, as a full-time resident, I am appalled at the city's lack of accountability. The logical solution would be to prohibit my neighbors and their guests from playing pickleball until their sound study is concluded and submitted to the Architectural Review Commission for determination. Any games of pickleball reported during this time should be subject to increasing fines. Our neighbors have chosen to flout city requirements by not obtaining approval for their pickleball court and are doubling down by actively renting their house for pickleball and parties. As someone who is directly impacted by their gambit, I refuse to remain quiet. It is in our community's best interest to uphold the requirements for all residents and not allow those who openly disregard the law to get away with this behavior. Allowing this brazenness to continue sets a poor precedent and will encourage others to follow suit. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. Eilman. Could we ask for uh, a report from staff on the status of this issue, including uh, the permissibility of renting for this purpose? Yeah, we will work on that right away. Thank you. Linda Old and Claude. Welcome. Let's see if I can manage this. Just pull it down a tad. Can you hear me? Mm hmm Oh, good. Thank you. Well, I'm here to thank the council. Uh, I'm very, very grateful. And uh, folks, let folks know. Uh, there we go. Who you are and, and yes, sorry, I'm, I'm and your function. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, my name is Linda Holden Claude. I'm um, chair of the Architecture and Design Committee of the Historical Society of Palm Desert, of which I'm also a board member. And uh, next week is a very, very exciting week because it's Modernism Week. And the Historical Society is partnering with Modernism Week to do a walking tour on the 23rd and 24th of February in the morning. And what's so exciting about this is that uh, um, we did it last year. We weren't planning to do it again. It's in Shadow Mountain area, so we're calling it Encore. And uh, it, we, it went live on um, the site, the Modernism site, on November 1st, and it sold out that day. So what's really exciting for all of us on the Architecture Committee is that um, architecture is really a hot thing in Mid-Valley. We all know that it's um, in, great in Palm Springs and we think that's where everything is, but amazing treasures exist right here in Palm Desert. And now in the fall, um, Thomas Sewell, um, who's not here today, I was hoping to be able to thank him in person, um, steered me in the direction of applying for a grant. 
and um, the grant was $3,000. And may I say thank you to the council and to Mayor Kelly for approving that, because with that money, we were able to produce our booklet. And can you, um, Anthony's going to give you each a copy now. And there are a couple of extras. And we will have others for you as well. But um, you'll notice the 50th anniversary seal right on it. We're very excited about that. And that, of course, that we're partnerships. So what the booklet is, um, is the different houses that we're walking by and that we're seeing whether or not we're going into them, um, and a description of the house of the architect, and some fun fact about the people who lived there. We're also getting an opportunity to go in for the houses, um, the wonderful neighbors that you have, and we're um, Shadow Mountain Resort, we're starting there where we're registering and then we're walking through. And then we're ending at the um, Mojave Resort. So people in the community have been so wonderfully, wonderfully supportive. Um, our charge was $65 for the walking tour. And we have three groups going out simultaneously. If you know the area at all, that took some managing to figure which routes we were going to do and not bump into each other. But we've managed to do that. And so there are 16 in each group and a total of 48 altogether per day. So there'll be 96 people um, going through the tour, plus our volunteers who are helping and so on. So there are four members of our committee, and I'd be remiss in not mentioning Sue Harvey, who's done the graphics on this. She's absolutely amazing. Um, so, but we've all participated there. So my thanks to you for giving us uh, the $3,000. It made all the difference to us. Uh, last year, we did produce a booklet, but we charged for it. And uh, this year, each of the walkers is going to get one. Uh, for free, and uh, it's, it's our gift to them. So uh, this will be great advertising, we think. Now, the other thing, I, I'm, I'm over time? Oh. No. Not oh. yet? <laughs> well, there's an, we always give an added minute oh, for oh, thank, I, yous. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, what I do want to say is that the architecture committee has been busy doing other things as well. And one of them is we have uh, the Historical Society has a regular speaker's evening on Friday evening at 6 o'clock. And the um, architecture committee has taken one of those blocks. And uh, tomorrow night, um, I don't know if you um, are aware of the Elk Architect, um, uh, Hal Levitt. Uh, he's new to me, but he's a great Hollywood architect. And uh, Stephen Price has um, discovered that he did some work right here in Palm Desert. And there's a, um, a little enclave of five uh, condos that are there. And so he's going to be speaking tomorrow night uh, at 7 o'clock at the Portola Center, and we'd welcome everyone to come because it's first come, first served. So um, thank you all. Uh, it's um, very exciting. Thank you. And thank you for your work as a volunteer. Uh, you put in an immense number of hours uh, 
which is of benefit to the community. This book is spectacular. Oh, thank Absolutely you, Absolutely spectacular. So <laughs> I hope uh, many folks will get a chance to see it. So thank well, you. Well, we will have some extras that if the city would like, we can distribute them as they see fit or just give them to you to do so. We'll pursue that. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Greg Ackerman. Good afternoon, good evening. As you said, my name is Greg Ackerman, and I'm here today as a resident of Palm Desert. I want to follow up and ask for uh, an update at some time soon on Measure B. Last November, Measure B asked the voters of Palm Desert whether or not they supported moving to five voting districts, and the answer was yes. In fact, over 53% voted in support of moving to five districts, and that was a 6.5% spread over those who voted no. In addition, Palm Desert had an overall voter turnout of over 63%, which is quite high for a midterm election. So the city's residents were asked to participate in this issue, and they responded. They answered the call. However, the council has uh, allowed three months to pass, without making any formal statement that I've come across anyway regarding their intentions on Measure B or what we're going to do about it. Therefore, I would ask that the council soon release some sort of statement that answers at least three questions that I'm interested in, who, what, and, and uh, when. Who is on a subcommittee to, uh, to study this issue, if there is a subcommittee? What is the stated goal of that subcommittee? And when will that subcommittee turn in a report so that we might know what's going on. To conclude, I, I hope the council will demonstrate a commitment to the voters of Palm Desert by making ongoing public statements regarding how Measure B is being addressed. You asked us for guidance, and we delivered. And I just hope that uh, we'll hear some information soon from city council what we might be doing or hearing about with Measure B. Thank you very much. And you absolutely will. Uh, the subcommittee consisting of Mayor Brodem Quintanilla and Councilmember Arnick has met, uh, so we'll be taking next steps consistent uh, with the process they have suggested. So thank you. I look you. forward to hearing it. Thank you. Uh, the is there anyone in Zoom land who has requested to offer public comment? Yes, Madam Mayor, and I do want to make one note to uh, Mr. Ali Basi. Uh, he intends to speak on item 1E, which will be uh, the next public comment period under the consent calendar. Uh, but we do have another speaker, uh, Ms. Kim McFarland. Kim McFarland, if you could unmute yourself and you have three minutes to provide your comments. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. You can begin. I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yes, we can, and you can begin. Hi, my name is Kim McFarland, and I live at 45756 Verba Santa Drive. I am also impacted by the applicant's pickleball noise constantly. It's day in and day out, and we, um, you know, we've 
we feel like there should be some ac action. At a minimum, they should be prevented from continuing to pay pickleball until they have a proper permit. That's all I have. I back up any, everything Jeffrey Gregory said. Uh, thank you thank very you. much for bringing this to our attention. No other speakers, Madam Mayor. Any other speakers present on non-agenda items? Uh, that brings us to the consent calendar. Uh, you said we do have one comment on a consent calendar item. Shall we hear that? Yes, Mr. Rumzi Alibasi. If we could bring him into the room. And you can begin, and you have three minutes to provide your comments. Hello, good evening, uh, Honorable Mayor and City Council members. My name is Rumzi Alibasi. Uh, with MAMCO Inc. I'm commenting on a uh, consent calendar item 1E to reject all bids submitted for the construction of one quail place parking lot rehabilitation. Uh, we are the uh, parent low bidder on the project. We submitted a bid for $2,329,000. Um, we received a letter from the uh, city staff stating that um, our bid was going to be deemed non-responsive due to failing to turn in a uh, a, a hard copy of our bidder's bond. We immediately responded to the city staff and we uh, we clarified with them that you know they were mistaken. The instructions to bidders were very clear. There is no, um, there is no conflicting specifications. And that section that specifically requires bidders to turn in a hard copy, that same section is only one section, section three, subsection 11, in all capital letters, bolded and underlined, it says as follows, only if bidder is submitting a cash or certified cashier's check, bidder will be required to deliver cash or check in a sealed and labeled envelope. And then it continues, and again, underlined and bolded. It said, if bidder is submitting a bid bond, the full and executed bid bond shall be scanned and uploaded as part of the city's, um, paraphrasing here, online bidding system, which we did. We scanned and uploaded our bidding system, uh, scanned and uploaded the bid bond to the electronic bidding system. So as mentioned, we were the parent low bidder by about $125,000. Once we brought this to the city's attention, uh, staff's attention, their recommendation now is to reject all bids, saying that that would be the fairest uh, you know, course of action. You know, I strongly disagree with that. And I also think um, it's, it's not the right call for the awarding authority in the city to you know, take that position. Uh, I think one of the concerns was there would be a protest submitted by other bidders. The specifications clearly state the other bidders only have five days to submit a protest. My understanding is that no protest has been submitted. I think the only person that would have a grounds, you know, for a gripe or litigation or legal action would be us. And that's that's not us. We want to partner with the city. You know, we're not going to be taking any action regardless. We just think this is, you know, just the wrong the wrong course of action to take. It really doesn't make any sense. And um, lastly, I just want to state, as you know, as everybody knows, construction costs are going up, you know, really rapidly right now. Um, like I said. If you were to re-advertise and waste two more months, oil prices are up, cement prices are up all just this month. It will likely cost the city council hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, that's not, uh, that's not an exaggeration or anything like that. I, I imagine the cost will probably increase one or $200,000. So, you know, I, uh, I want to persuade you guys, you know, to... Uh, I could use your prerogative and award the contract. I don't think there's any reason to reject all bids. We submitted the lowest responsive and responsible bid. Thank you. 
Any other public comment on consent calendar? No others. No other speakers in the Zoom room, Madam Mayor. All right. Uh, do any council members wish to pull something from consent? Is there a motion? I motion to move the consent calendar forward with the exception of E. Or is I'll it, are we, are, we, are, we, are we skipping that or are we taking action on that? Well, uh, it's, it will only be discussed separately if a council member wants to discuss it separately. If you're persuaded by the staff report that staff's recommendation is the best course of action, then you can leave it on consent and it can be part of the vote. I revise my motion to accept the um, calendar as is. is and I second the motion. I, I, I am troubled by this. Uh, from what we heard, is, is this something that we well, need to- it, it, do you want to pull it? I, if you want to pull it, do. What I would do is offer a substitute motion to adopt all of the items in the consent calendar as presented and to table E. Well, or continue E. Is, is there a reason that you don't just want to pull it and hear the explanation? That's a great point, thank you. I would like to pull it, thank you very much. <laughs> right. I, needed, so, I needed the help. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, so item E has been uh, uh, pulled, but I presume you would move the remainder. I agree. And we have a second. And a second, yes. Uh, please vote. Councilmember Harnick. I'm sorry, Madam, where we can't use the voting system oh, since Councilmember right, Nistani okay. is on Zoom. Yes. Uh, Councilmember Nistani? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla? Aye. Councilmember Truby? Yes. Mayor Kelly? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Uh, Ms. Gonzalez, please come forward and elaborate, if you would, upon the staff report to make clear why staff is suggesting the process reflected. Yes. Uh, good evening, Honorable uh, Chairman and members of the Housing Authority Board, Jessica Gonzalez, Housing Manager. Um, before you is a recommendation from staff to reject all bids for our construction of One Quail Place parking lot rehabilitation as well as to authorize staff to re-advertise. Um, this item was presented to the Housing Commission and the Housing Commission on February 8th and anonymous, anonymously recommended approval. Um, before you, um, the bids were uh, received on January 20th. When received, we did receive six responses. The responding uh, other five Bidders did provide the bonds as noted in the specifications and the, of the instruction section that identified that a bid bond hard copy had to be submitted. Um, the lowest bidder did not submit a copy, a hard copy. They did submit an electronic copy, which was also part of the instructions that they needed to submit both a hard copy and an electronic copy. And deeming that it was non, it, it is, we were initially reviewing to respond that it was a non-responsive. After re-looking at the item that the lowest bidder identified to us on the instructions, they were 
somewhat unclear with regards to the language used in describing how the bid bond had to be submitted. And essentially, we went ahead with legal counsel's direction to reject the bids. Um, and we would like to re-advertise. If there are specific questions, I can assist in trying to answer that, and I can ask our legal counsel to assist us as well. So let me see if I understand this. The basic problem is there was an ambiguity in the bid. So if we proceed to award the bid, it would be subject to challenge from one of the people who didn't get selected. Is that the gist of this? Can I yes. defer it to our legal counsel? Because it is. Yes. I mean, it, yes is a complete answer. So, so the recommendation is to rebid this to make sure that once the bid is awarded, it won't be challenged. That is correct. Okay. Other questions? I do have the lowest bid came in, and and so the higher bids we're saying will challenge. They have not, but they could. But but they could challenge it because they didn't have the highest, the lowest bid. No, it is because of the. I, I the, would the, the challenge the challenge to this to this process will be that the low bidder did not follow the, exactly the same rules they did. There's enough of a risk to the city that we are recommending to reject the bids. Case law is very strong, uh, according to our uh, person from BBK who specializes in this area, that the city's best course and safest course of action is to reject the bids, make sure that the playing field is completely even, and reopen the bids. And okay. it's, it's, it's a nuance that is hard to understand is, and, and explain, but we, this is risk mitigation. Okay, thank you. Then I, I would, uh, um, <laughs> not, not happily, but nonetheless, uh, move to uh, approve uh, consent item E as presented. Is there a second? I'll second that. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. The motion passes five to zero. Thank you. Uh, moving to the action calendar. Uh, item 2A, adopt resolutions approving 2022-23 mid-year budget adjustments and revised staff allocation schedule. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, Veronica Chavez, your Director of Finance. Um, the item you're Bringing, being brought before you today is to take a look at the mid-year adjustments we would like to request. Um, throughout the fiscal year, staff continuously monitors our revenues and expenditures. And um, based on staff's analysis over the past six months, we have identified some um, adjustments that we would request be made. Um, if you'll recall, in June, you approved a budget that had a surplus of about $4,000. Um, what we've identified is about $792,000 um, additional revenue that we can increase in the general fund. 
Um, as far as the general fund expenditures, we went through the exercise of reallocating resources where they were needed, in resulting in a net zero adjustment. Along with our general fund adjustments, well, let me back up. In total, what we will see now is a surplus, or what we're anticipating is a surplus of 796 um, at the end of the year. Along Seven, 796,000. Correct, I'm sorry. For some of us, yes. 796 means 796. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, my apologies. Um, in addition to the general fund, we took a look at our other funds. There's a lot of movement there, um, both in revenues and expenditures. Um, one of the major ones that we're seeing in expenditures are our fire services, and we had discussed that at a previous um, study session, and so those adjustments are being made. Um, in addition to, we are seeing a decline um, in the first six months of cannabis revenue, so we're reducing um, our revenue by 25% based on the revenues that we're seeing this year so far to date. Um, in addition to that, we also said we would actively monitor Desert Willow. We've been getting quarterly reports, and um, with those reports, we are making those adjustments here as well. And so, as you see on page five, it results in an $883,000 adjustment that would hit our fund balance. Um, at the end of the year, we would have a zero, um, a net zero adjustment for um, the other funds based on the amounts that we will be pulling from fund balance to cover all of those restricted funds. Um, in addition to our adjustments to um, the budget, we are also requesting adjustments to our staff allocation based on some of the reallocation of staff to um, address many of the projects and programs that we have in place this year as time has gone on, gone on throughout the year. Um, if you have any specific questions, I'm happy to dig into this with you. Any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Uh, thank you for this excellent work. Uh, comments or motion? I'll make a motion to adopt uh, the item number 2A as presented. Is there a second? I will second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nistandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2B, introduction of an ordinance amending the Palm Desert Municipal Code to update, clarify, and codify bylaws and general provisions for the city's boards, commissions, committees, and task forces. Madam Mayor and City Council, uh, for your consideration is an in introduction of an ordinance to update and codify the general provisions and bylaws of the city's boards, commissions, committees, and task forces, collectively known as appointed bodies. A City Council subcommittee consisting of Councilmember Harnick and Mayor Kelly worked closely with staff in developing the proposed ordinance. I can provide a summary of the changes if desired. Otherwise, I'm available for questions. Uh, you have summarized beautifully in the written report. Is there public comment on this item? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Much of what is reflected here uh, embodies past actions and better organizes uh, the municipal code. So thank you for tackling 
that long overdue task. A discussion, motion. I have a comment. I, I do want to commend um, our city clerk and also Chris, and I think he has left, but this has been a long, arduous, detailed process, and I appreciate all the work that's been put into it. And um, Mayor Kelly and I have watched this grow and evolve, and it's really an amazing body of work, and I thank you very much for all the work you've put into it. And Thank you, and I, I will um, make a motion to approve as presented. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, same gratitude. This is a very concisely and well-organized, so we could find it all in one place. Um, my input would be that I, I would like to see if something that would allow us to increase the frequency of some of these, these groups. Um, some of them are only meeting quarterly. Some of them aren't meeting those requirements, and those are part of the essential functions of the city. So for example, um, right now that we're undergoing the cultural preservation for the 50th, that would be one that, that was been beneficial. So that's something that I've already been working on with our city manager. And for example, right now is that we have the new civic engagement committee, I think that that needs to meet a little sooner to get up and running and find a pace of what they want the direction to be. That is my comment. Thank you. The Civic Engagement Committee is about to have its second meeting. Uh, one of the options that has been floated uh, with that group is to utilize subcommittees to get hard work done. Uh, between the quarterly meetings of the whole uh, group. Uh, so would it meet your needs if um, at the appropriate time we invite bodies who are meeting quarterly to assess their satisfaction with that and make recommendations if uh, they want to suggest a change? That is indeed satisfactory. Thank you, Mayor. Perfect. Uh, let's take the vote. Did we get a second? No, we didn't, but we had a I'll second the motion. May we vote? Or did you want to say something? Uh, let's vote. Councilmember Harnick? Yes. Councilmember Nestandi? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla? Aye. Councilmember Truby? Yes. Mayor Kelly? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2C, introduction of an ordinance revising chapter 2.68 of the Palm Desert Municipal Code relative to Cultural Arts Committee. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. I'm Amy Lawrence, Deputy Director of Economic Development. The request before you is to add a funding threshold to the Cultural Arts Committee bylaws. Currently, the bylaws require that all Cultural Arts Committee recommendations utilizing art and public places funding come before the City Council for final approval, no matter what the amount. Um, adding a threshold to the bylaws will allow routine projects such as traffic signal cabinet wraps and those with minimal costs such as repairs and replacement of damaged artwork to move forward more expeditiously without needing the extra month or two that it would take to obtain city council approval. 
as noted in the staff report, projects such as sponsorships of any kind, regardless of, um, or for artwork placement on private property, regardless of uh, if it's under the suggested threshold of $10,000 would come before city council for review after the recommendation of the Cultural Arts Committee given its non-routine nature. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Questions? Any public comment on this? No public comment. Uh, comments from council? Uh, I love the idea. Would it be possible when such routine actions are taken uh, to include that in the weekly administrative report uh, so we can be sure to appreciate the committee's work? Absolutely. Great. Is there a motion? I motion to approve. A second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestani. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2D approve a cooperative agreement with the County of Riverside to provide capital for fire station construction and a staffing cost share for fire station 102. Much work has gone into this. We have the benefit of a study session last month. Uh, so let's proceed. Mayor and Council. Last, on January 26th, you approved the design agreement for the new fire station 102. Our commitment was to bring back the cooperative agreement today. The need for the fire station is the city is developing in the north. Uh, we want to make sure that we address response times. But in addition here on the map, a part of why this agreement is here before you is because of the impacts of the new arena on the city's fire services. So there's two stars on this map. The star up above is generally where the new arena is located, and the star below is the new future fire station. This, the county is contributing to the cost of the construction as well as to ongoing operations. Next slide. Here is a breakdown of the contribution. On the left, we have the city's uh, share, and on the right, we have the county's contribution, which includes uh, purchase of a new tractor drawn aerial at 1.8 million in cost, 3.3 million towards construction, 100,000 towards furniture fixtures and equipment, and payment of three out of the 15 positions to staff the location. The positions are not included in this chart. It's a total value of 5.2, but we'll be bringing that to you at future budget study sessions. Next slide. Here's a quick chart of the project breakdown. As a whole, we, the project was just over $23 million. Next slide. And then project schedule. As mentioned last month, we commenced the kickoff of this project. The team has been actively working on the next steps. We have construction set to begin in quarter two of 2024, with it being brought online second quarter of 25. Next slide. Next steps, once the council awards the contract for construction, that's what triggers the county to kick in the cash for the construction. Uh, on the agenda, as well as construction management services and cost estimation services, we'll make commence the off-site design improvements, which will be a future action item. And then staffing, as mentioned, will be brought forth to, to you at future budget study sessions. That concludes my report. Staff is recommending approval.
Questions? Uh, is it a question? Uh, is there any public comment on this item? No public comment. I would make a motion to approve uh, action item D as presented. Is there a second? I'll second the motion. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestani. Yes. Mayor Potem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. And I encourage all residents of Palm Desert to be extremely proud of your city staff uh, for making sure that the county is funding impacts um, that it has created, occasioning in part the need for this fire station. So thank you, staff. Uh, item E, award contracts to multiple vendors for construction management services of public work projects for an aggregate amount not to exceed $11,739,394 and not one penny more. Thank May you. We have the staff report. Good afternoon, Honorable Major and Mayor and distinguished members of the City Council. So as you can see before, you have two professional service agreements with Answer Advisory Management and Mars Services for the aggregate amount not to exceed, as you just mentioned, for $11.7 million for on-call construction management services of public work projects. I understand that that is a decent amount to uh, digest. So in order to help with that, I would like to offer some insight as how we got to that number. So currently the city has a project projected five-year capital improvement budget that totals $78.3 million. Um, and this number includes projects within the street, pro uh, street program, parks and landscaping facilities, Desert Willow, and the Housing Authority. Now, the staff used this number to and coordinated with the finance department uh, to come up with the number you see before you today. Uh, to help support the plan projects included in this five-year CIP, uh, city identified a need to procure the CM services. And the goal would be to have the CM consultants readily available to help assist with risk management, cost estimates, on-site inspections, contracts, project, and program management, along with any other related services. So the city is aware these services were included as part of the addendum to the RFP that was put out for the CM services in relation to the North Sphere Fire Station that you all approved last month. Thank you. And the two consultants, the two consultants recommended were interviewed by an internal selection committee, committee and that committee determined that both consultants would be good re resources for the city to have throughout their ongoing CIP projects. If approved, the contracts would be managed in a task order format, meaning the city would uh, request a task proposal from the consultant and that would provide a scope, cost, and schedule for that task. And these tasks and expenses would be um, tracked and managed so that we can ensure that the aggregate contract amount would not be exceeding the 11.7 million. The staff report does identify some of the accounts that could be used to issue those task orders. Now, staff is requesting the approval of the recommended actions listed within the staff report, and I am more than happy to answer some of your questions if you still have any. Questions? 
Any public comment on this item? No public comment. Yes. Um, I have a, a question in terms of the estimated construction management. If we look on, on page two, we keep hearing that the costs are changing and rising. Is this an elevated estimate? How much wiggle room do we have or, or how much do you anticipate it could go higher? So normally CM services run at about 10 to 15% of the construction cost of a project. And so what we basically did is we ran through and, and kind of took that total number you saw listed under the CIP project and took 15% of that to come up with that number. You're welcome. For the benefit of uh, the public listening, uh, this proposal will enable a huge number of critical projects to move forward, including flood control, safety enhancements to our streets, enhanced um, provisions for bicycling and walking, parks, needed maintenance on our affordable housing, and more. So it's a bargain. That is the hope. Uh, motion. I motion. I will second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item two F award a professional services agreement to Kimley Horn and Associates in the amount of $496,464 for a rail station feasibility study. Mayor, uh, I will recuse myself for a financial conflict. Stay close by. Good evening, Mayor Kelly and members of the City Council. My name is Vanessa Mager and I'm a management analyst in the Economic Development Department. Before you is the request for consideration to award a professional service agreement to Kimley Horn and Associates in the amount of $496,464 for a rail station feasibility study. Um, I'd like to start off this presentation by sharing a brief background on how we got here. On July 13th of 2022, the Riverside County Transportation Commission, RCTC, adopted a Tier 1 Environmental Impact Statement and Environmental Impact Report for the Coachella Valley-San Gorgonio Pass Rail Corridor Service Plan to extend the daily passenger rail service to the Coachella Valley. The new rail service would provide a 144-mile connection to Los Angeles downtown Union Station, as well as the connection to the Metro Metrolink system, as shown on the map on the slide. The adopted Tier 1 plan explored potential rail stations for the Coachella Valley, including the existing Palm Springs station and possible new Mid-Valley and Indio Coachella station. A Tier 2 study is underway to conduct identification identification of specific rail station locations within the Coachella Valley and provide environmental clearance for those identified locations. On September 15, 2022, the City Council approved the release for a request of proposal for a feasibility study to identify potential rail station locations within the City of Palm Desert. A RFP was released on October 17, 2022, and the City received two proposals. Staff reviewed the proposals and determined that Kimley Horn & Associates was the best suited firm for this project as they have completed numerous similar projects in California, Riverside County, and the Coachella Valley. 
Staff recommends the City Council award a professional service agreement contract to Kimley Horn and Associates for a rail station feasibility study for a one-year term beginning March 1st, 2023 through February 29th of 2024 with an option for a one-year additional extension. Kimley Horn and Associates will be expected to provide a citywide assessment of potential locations for a rail station in Palm Desert with the Cook Street Corridor being the focal area. This includes assessing the existing land uses, transportation network, demographics, topography, and economic conditions in Palm Desert. The study will also identify and evaluate strategic alternatives to enhance multimodal traffic and circulation in and around the preferred site. This includes the viability of Palm Desert as a passenger rail station stop for Amtrak along its existing Sunline limited train service and or as part of the Coachella Valley San Gorgonio Pass. The study will analyze the design for a suitable platform for inner city passenger rail service and also elevate current public transit services provided by Sunline Transit Agency, which provides daily bus service. The study will analyze Sunline's current bus routes and ridership to establish the best permanent transportation hub that will serve all residents and accommodate other transportation modes to reduce single occupancy vehicle use. And these are just some of the tasks that will be provided. The final part of the analysis will be selected for the most appropriate site for a rail station facility and development of a conceptual design that demonstrates how an accessible station would function. The proposed multi-model feasibility study will allow the city to engage in long-term planning to construct the most accessible and beneficial mobility hub that serves multiple transportation modes. The feasibility study process is expected to take approximately nine to 12 months. So we anticipate that being completed in early January of 2024, uh, being presented to council for adoption um, at the last meeting of January 2024, and then being uh, submitted to Riverside County Transportation Commission to be incorporated into their Tier 2 study in February. Once adopted, the study will be submitted, um, and we hope that that will allow the city of Palm Desert to be the Mid-Valley Station. Happy to answer any questions that you might have, and we also have a representative from Kimley Horn. I love that conclusion. <laughs> any questions? is to distill this uh, for members of the public. It will be some years before passenger rail exists between the Coachella Valley and Union Station, uh, but it's becoming closer to a believable reality. And planning does call for a mid-valley station. We want to be positioned uh, to be the site of that Mid-Valley Station. Uh, any public comment on this item? No public comment. Councilmember Nestande. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Yeah, I think it's about a 10-year outlook, if I'm not mistaken, from our last presentation. And my, my question is, uh, are is the city of Indio, Palm Springs, or Cathedral City, are they also hiring a consultants? Do we know or see that uh, in terms of them vying for it to be the uh, the, the station, the Mid-Valley stop? So if, if I'm not mistaken, the plans call for a Palm Springs station and an Indio station. Okay, so, so they do. And the Mid-Valley station would be a third Station. Is uh, okay. that us being Mid Valley Palm Desert? Yes. That 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 makes sense. So right now the plans are 
Palm Springs Indio, and we're hoping that they also add Palm Desert. Well, that the plans call for some Mid Valley station. So there is an opening, an invitation, you might say, we're in the Mid-Valley uh, to step up. I would up agree and, with that assessment. I think yeah. it should be Pond Desert. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. Uh, motion? I'll make a motion to, I oh, beg your pardon. We had to make it formal, right? Sorry. I will make a motion to award the professional services agreement to Kimberly Horn. And I happily second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Nestandy. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes four to zero. Item G. Resend resolution number 2018-89 and adopt a resolution revising taxation rates for cannabis business operating within the city of Palm Desert. Ms. Maker, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me a second time. Uh, before you, of course, is the request uh, to resend the resolution. Um, we will go through the slides and give you a little bit of a background. Uh, back in November 2018, the general municipal election voters approved Measure Q, an uh, initiative to tax certain cannabis businesses in the city of Palm Desert. Measure Q established maximum tax amounts, as shown in, column, uh, in the second column there, so $20 per square foot for cultivation, manufacture at 3% of gross receipts, retail and delivery at 15%, and research and testing with no tax. In December of 13 of 2028, Council passed a resolution establishing tax rates noted in the third column there, uh, the adopted rates $13 per square foot for cultivation, 2% of gross receipts for manufacture, and 10% of gross receipts for retail and delivery. At the October 27, 2022 City Council meeting, staff presented a cannabis industry report noting the challenges facing the cannabis industry. The current slide on your screen notes some of the issues shared at that meeting, which are causing the decline in sales for Palm Desert businesses. As you heard earlier, we have seen a 25% decline um, in sales for the city. Based on the industry report gathered in the late 2022, City Council directed staff to work with the city's cannabis businesses and the Economic Development Subcommittee. Uh, to explore potential tax rate reduction. Earlier this month, the Economic Development Subcommittee, Subcommittee met, considered concerns relating to the current tax rates for retail and delivery cannabis businesses. The discussion was prompted by the anticipated decrease in our neighboring city, Cathedral City. With the neighboring city lowering taxes, Palm Desert has the potential of losing its current cannabis businesses. The subcommittee recommended a decrease in cultivation taxes from $13 to $10 per square foot annually, as well as a decrease for cultivation, or sorry, retail and delivery taxes from 10% of gross receipts to 5%, um, noted in the highlighted box there. That is the proposed rates that the subcommittee recommended. This will help us better align with other Valley cities. And on the next slide, this will show you what the rates are for the other cities in Palm Desert, or in other cities in Coachella Valley. Please note that since the city council will not be meeting for Cathedral City until next week, um, their tax rates are noted at the current tax rate. They anticipate um, dropping their tax rates to the same that are being presented to you by the uh, subcommittee. Happy to answer any questions, and I do believe that we have folks in the 
gallery waiting to speak. We do. I don't see questions, so let me call for our speakers, Paul Cottrell. Good evening. Good evening, honorable council members, mayor, mayor pro tem. My name is Paul Cotterell. I am a general manager and co-owner of the uh, Leaf El Paseo. Uh, I just want to thank city staff and council members for investigating this matter. I know a lot of time and energy has been put into evaluating the current uh, state of cannabis affairs in California. Um, I don't want to stand here and paint a bleak picture, but it's bad. Uh, and I think a lot of you are aware that uh, major cannabis companies are dissolving before our very eyes, uh, leaving the state of California quickly. Um, smaller companies are dissolving quickly. They're uh, evaporating faster than we can put them up. Um, the taxation has become uh, to a point that honest operators can't compete. Uh, we can't survive in this industry. Uh, what we're seeing is bad actors start to arise, and we're seeing the black market thrive like nothing we've ever seen before, which is honestly the antithesis of what we set out to, to accomplish. Um, I think this 5% step for a retailer like ours is, is a, a good step in the right direction, uh, but unfortunately it's not enough. Uh, the state has to recognize and the federal government has to recognize uh, what the burden has been placed on operators like us. We're a group of honest operators that, that put our heart and soul into what we're doing, and unfortunately, again, it's not enough. We end up uh, putting more money into it than we gain uh, we're at a point that there is no profit to be made in the cannabis industry. It's a sad state of affairs, but uh, again, it comes down to the tax burden and we just don't have that uh, ability to, to gain revenue. So if something isn't done at a greater level, I, like I said, this is a great step in the right direction, but if it, something isn't done, what we're going to see is the black market continue to thrive. Um, so we need to domino step this. This needs to be a, a course of action that starts here and just moves its way through the state and the federal government. But thank you guys, I appreciate you all. Thank you. Uh, Scott, was it Kukan? Good evening, Mayor. Good evening, uh, City Council, uh, Palm Desert team. Uh, my name is Scott Russick. I am the legislative chair for the Coachella Valley Cannabis Alliance Network. CVCAN is an organization that seeks to provide a reasonable and productive voice for the cannabis industry throughout the Coachella Valley. Our program and events foster networking and the sharing of important information concerning development, operations, regulations, and outreach in the cannabis community. It's our goal to create cohesion and best practices for members, thus improving the industry. Um, uh, I'd like to echo what Paul said. This is a, a, a good step in the right direction. Um, applaud you for hearing your constituents um, uh, and their concerns in connection with the level of cannabis uh, taxation. CVCAN supports this rescission. would like to thank all of you for your time and energy um, uh, deciding this. I know it's not a simple thing. We really do appreciate everything you've done have done. On a personal note, I go to a lot of city council meetings throughout the entire Southern California area. This is wonderful. You guys really do it right here. I'm going to come more often. This is really, really nice. So you can pat yourselves on the back for that too. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kenneth Churchill. 
Good evening, Council. Uh, my name is Kenneth Churchill. I am the CEO and co-founder of West Coast Cannabis Club. Uh, West Coast Cannabis Club, I have two retail locations here in the city of Palm Desert, uh, as well as being the only cultivator that is here in the city of Palm Desert. Uh, my company has won three consecutive Best of the Dispensary, Best Dispensary in the Desert Awards, awards from the Desert Sun. Uh, we were recently named the best medium-sized city in the desert by the Greater Coachella Valley Chamber of Commerce. And most importantly to me personally, as we were named the 2021 best place to work in the entire Coachella Valley by the city of, or uh, by the uh, Desert Sun. Uh, I only bring up our accolades to help paint the picture that we are heavily involved in our community and we work hard to make the city of Palm Desert proud. I am here today on behalf of my company as a board member for CV Can, and uh, speaking on behalf of my fellow dispensary operators who are also here this evening, uh, in su full support of the staff recommendation to lower the taxes to 5%. The current 10% rate is causing shops to go out of business, locals to lose their jobs, and forcing customers to, go, to drive across the 10 to go to county dispensaries who do not pay a local tax. As early adopters in the cannabis industry, we face a litany of unprecedented obstacles, being classified as a Schedule I narcotic, being federally illegal, being blacklisted from using most financial institutions, and being held accountable for launching an entire industry from scratch. And while you are not responsible for all of these hurdles, overtaxing us while we are already so heavily handicapped has created a situation where it is almost impossible for us to succeed. Even at 5%, the city will still be profiting over a million dollars on an industry that costs you almost nothing to maintain. The owners of these dispensaries are locals. Our employees are locals. And I am here today to ask the council to continue to be an ally for small businesses and to be a leader on this topic and give our businesses at least the opportunity that we need to be successful. I ask you to at least support the staff recommendation of lowering to 5%. Any support that we receive from you will simply be going right back into our businesses and right back into this community. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Any other public comment? No additional public comment, Madam Mayor. Ready to hear from my colleagues. Okay, by default, I'll, I'll go first then. Um, I would like to, to thank those of you that are present. I know it's a difficult time to advocate for yourself and for your employees. Um, I, in looking at the charts that were presented, I couldn't help but notice that since the industry has evolved, Indio now allows dispensaries. They only very recently did that, and they're starting at a much lower rate. So they're already setting themselves up to compete with the city of Palm Desert. And this, the county of Riverside for a very long time said, not here, not us, no thank you. With the new ones they created, it's a direct challenge to what we have in our Palm Desert retailers. The biggest concern outside of the economic impact both to the city and to our retailers is, as mentioned, the rise in the black market. And as I have you know, advocated before, if you don't know where it's growing and where you're getting it, you are subject to pesticides and sadly fentanyl. We know that fentanyl is found everywhere. This morning, or was it yesterday, I, I heard that they're looking to have Narcan available over the counter. And I worry that that means that more people will start taking it less seriously. 
Um, so those are some of my thoughts and, and where I know we had one resident email, you know, their concerns about moving and advancing. I think that we have to look at um, how we can support our businesses, but also public health by making sure that um, our customers have a safe place to acquire, whether it's recreational or medicinal, we don't want to contribute to having them be harmed. Thank you. Councilmember Arnick. I wonder if we can put the uh, matrix up that shows the taxes and, and can we do that? With the, yeah, with the cities. I, I think I think that is the one. So we have here on Indio, and, and uh, Mayor Pro Tem mentioned it. It what is what does this mean when when it says eval five percent to six percent? So Indio has a unique structure where they're setting up community benefit agreements. Uh, the equivalent, or is, is what it maybe should say, is five to six percent of a tax. So it is at five or six percent. Their tax will be correct. Okay. That's um, my question. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Spoke quite eloquently. Did you want to make a motion? I motion to approve the staff report as presented. I'll second because I see discussion. Councilmember Nistande. Uh, yes, I am ready to approve the motion and just serving on the uh, subcommittee, what really resonated with me, besides uh, the black market being a big factor now, was that when we originally were considering putting a tax, we had it up to 15% because we were unsure as a city what the impact was going to be on our resources, the police department, and as presented now, that there really is minimal impact. And thus, the reason why I, I, I can support reducing the tax down to 5%. And I, uh, I approve as well to vote for this. Yes. Yeah, I want to um, kind of second what Jeannie had to say. You know, the, uh, I know we erred on the side of caution when we first approved all this. The vendors we've chosen, while I'm not intimately familiar with the product, uh, I know enough about the vendors that have decided to open up shop in Palm Desert. They've uh, been great partners for the city. They, they are professional, and um, I want to support them with the, well, in any way we can. Thank you. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Uh, we have, that concludes our action items. We have one public hearing, which is uh, to receive public comments regarding the development of the five-year consolidated plan and analysis of impediments plan for the years 2023 through 2028, including program year 2023-2024, annual action plan, and the community development block grant program. This is a very complex program, 
which presents the city uh, with some significant opportunities uh, to have an impact. So um, let's hear from staff. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, staff has been working diligently with our um, consultant at Michael Baker. Maria Gallegos is here to present this item to you tonight. Maria. Thank you. Um, before I start, um, how do I work this? This one? Okay, thank you. Good evening, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council and staff. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, also known as HUD, administers the Community Development Block Grant CDBG program to assist jurisdictions in addressing the needs of low and moderate income people. As a requirement of the Citizens Participation Plan, the City Council must hold a public hearing to receive comments regarding the development of the consolidated plan and analysis of impediments, including the Annual Action Plan and CDBG program. The city allocates CDBG funds toward the categories of public services, public facilities and improvements, and administration. Tonight's hearing is to provide to the council information on what the five-year consolidated plan, the development and process, and to give guidance to staff on which eligible activities will best serve the needs of the community through a range of projects and programs for the next five years. The consolidated plan is designed to a, to a city in assessing affordable housing and community development needs for the next five years, commencing July 1st of 2023 through June 30th of 2028. The current con plan, which is fiscal year 20, 2018 through 2023, was approved by council in May of 2018. And in order for the city to qualify and receive CDBG funding, the, the city must comply with the regulatory requirements and submit reports to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, also known as HUD, which includes your CON plan and your annual action plan, which is your one-year plan. The CON plan helps determine how, fund, how, HUD, how funds from HUD are used. Part of the comp plan incorporates the city's citizen participation plan, which governs how the city will conduct outreach to the community and encourage their participation in the comp plan, yearly action plan, any amendments and yearly consolidated annual performance and evaluation report process for the next five-year term. Additionally, included in the comp plan is the preparation of an analysis of impediments to fair housing choices, which assists in identifying any barriers to affordable housing, as well as examines policies and fair housing practices surrounding housing choices. In the action plan, the city must provide a summary of the actions, activities, and programs that will take place during the program year to address the priority needs and goals identified by the consolidated plan. The annual action plan also outlines local affordable housing and community development needs and identifies strategies for addressing those needs. And I wanna take a quick minute now to share with, uh, with you what an impediment is and how it's related to the city's five-year consolidated plan process. 
The city's analysis of impediments provides a detailed look into the fair housing environment in Palm Desert. More specifically, this document includes an analysis of local factors that may impact fair housing choice, the identification of specific impediments to fair housing choice, and a plan to address those impediments. As part of its ongoing responsibilities as a recipient of HUD funds, the City of Palm Desert must also continuously assure equal access to services and programs it provides or assists in the community. Impediments to fair housing choice are any actions, omissions, or decisions that directly restricts or have the effect of restricting housing choices or housing availability because of race, color, religion, sex, disability, familial status, national origin, and financial status. The consolidated plan identifies the city's priority needs, including the rationale for establishing allocation priorities and specific measurable goals to be addressed during the five-year period through activities to be implemented using CDBG funds. The draft priority needs identified for the consolidated plan are to prevent and eliminate homelessness, improve neighborhoods, public facilities and infrastructure, economic development, broadband needs, provide public services for low-income residents, and affordable housing preservation. This evening, staff is here to receive any comments regarding the development of the five-year consolidated plan and analysis of impediments, program year 2023 through 2028, including program year 2023-2024 annual action plan and the Community Development Block Grant CDBG program. HUD is expected to provide the city with its annual entitlement allocation in April of 2023, or possibly even sooner. The city intends to receive approximately $390,000, but we are crossing our fingers to receive more. That's always the goal. Citizen participation and consultation process, this plays a major role when preparing the consolidated plan. A community development survey was used to help establish priorities for the city by gathering feedback on the level of need for housing and community development categories. The survey was launched via SurveyMonkey on the city's website and Facebook page on January 2nd, 2023 through January 31st of 2023. A total of 44 responses were collected. Because the number of responses are too low, we have reopened the survey link on the city's webpage. We encourage more participation from the residents to complete the survey. Please spread the word. Tell your friends, neighbors, coworkers, anyone that you know that lives in the city to fill out the survey. Your responses depend on how the city will plan and allocate the federal dollars into the city. It's your community. So based on the responses and other findings outside of the survey, a community data sheet was created and will be revised once we have received more responses. And I, and I can tell you that as of yesterday afternoon, we have received an additional 25. So I'm hoping that by next week, that number will climb and we do want for it to climb because my understanding is that the population here is about 58,000? 53. 53. So if we can get at least like 5,000, that would be great. Consultation with local and regional agencies is an important element in the process of the development of the plan. 
These consultations help to determine areas of need or gaps in services provided by health services, social services, the County of Riverside Continuum of Care, public housing agencies, and fair housing. Input on housing services to the frail elder, elderly, persons with disabilities, including HIV and AIDS, substance abuse, homelessness, and or individuals with low to moderate income was obtained through phone interviews and written communication. Based on the applications that we received for our CDBG funding, the proposed projects and programs fall within the categories of public service activities, public facilities and improvements, and administration. Public services include staffing and other operations, operational costs for services to address the needs of low and moderate income people. This category is restricted to 15% of the CDBG allocation. Based upon the city's prior CDBG allocation, 15% is approximately $52,200. Public facilities and improvements include construction projects to improve neighborhoods and community facilities to benefit low and moderate income people. This funding category does not have restrictions unlike, unlike the public services and administration cap. Once taking into consideration public services and administration, there is approximately $260,000 available for public facilities and improvements. Administration includes staffing costs to administer the CDBG program, and this category is restricted to 20% of the CDBG allocation. Based upon the city's prior CDBG allocation, 20% is approximately $78,000. So what's next? In May of 2023, the Outside Agency Funding Committee will review the draft CDBG program, including the sub-grant applications. Committee, the committee recommendations will be presented for the City Council consideration in June of 2023. This concludes my presentation for this evening, and at this time, I am available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. And before questions or comments, let me open the public hearing. Well, that might not have done it. Uh, questions from council. Uh, this is an extremely thorough report uh, packed with fascinating information about our city. Uh, so I'm sure I'll have reference to it for many reasons beyond these particular grants. So uh, it's a very, very healthy process. Uh, do we have any public comment? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, Norma Beagle uh, from Operation Safe House. You are live with the City Council. And if you could unmute yourself, you'll have three minutes to provide your comments. Um, thank you. Um, I just want to speak on behalf of the funding source that Operation Safe House has been the recipient of over the past several years and say how helpful it is to provide the services. Uh, we provide services to at-risk youth and homeless youth, and it takes a lot of funding to run a 24-hour program to provide those services, and we need all of the funding that we can get. And so I just want to stand in support of this funding that Maria has put forth. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is Laura Nickerson still present? Please come forward. Mayor and council members, uh, thank you for your time today and for your service to the residents of Palm Desert, of which I'm one, and the Coachella Valley. Can you hear me? You need to be real close, see, okay. like this. And um, I'm actually here, and I want to commend uh, Ms. Gallegos for her outreach to us at Desert AIDS Project. And I'm speaking here in support of the funding plan and also in support of uh, DAP uh, application for funding for our job uh, assistance and employment development program. And it's uh, uh, primarily um, for clients of DAP who come from all over the Coachella Valley, in turn, including um, Palm Desert. 70% of DAP's patients and clients are living with HIV AIDS, which meets the presumed low income category for the HUD CDBG program. Uh, it's a valuable program because it uh, supports uh, clients with HIV who are underemployed, unemployed, and the hugest impact on uh, these residents is COVID. And many businesses closed, resulting in loss of employment. And what the program does is prevent uh, basically financial instability that can lead to housing insecurity, food insecurity, and therefore not uh, staying in care and resulting in the spread of the infection. So uh, we are uh, definitely in support of this program, and uh, we appreciate all your efforts, and, and particularly Ms. Gallegos. Any questions? Thank you. You let me go with no time limit. I appreciate that. Thank you very Thank much. You. Special deal for people who sit through the whole meeting. <laughs> uh, Jack Newby. <laughs> Uh, good afternoon, Mayor, members of the City Council. My name is Jack Newby. I'm the Executive Director at the Jocelyn Center, which serves the uh, older adult community and seniors throughout the uh, Cove communities, which is Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, and Indian Wells. Uh, many of our members come from uh, the City of Palm Desert, and uh, I just want to cover a few little statistics uh, that I have in the back of my mind about uh, the population that we serve, uh, and the population of seniors and older adults here in the Coachella Valley. Uh, the Coachella Valley, and particularly our, uh, the three cities that we serve, um, is showing an increase in seniors and older adults uh, about 30% greater than the entire state of California. We have the largest growing population of seniors and older adults in the state of California. Uh, Many of those individuals uh, are able to engage in some of our activities and our exercise programs. Uh, others are not. Uh, and we are opening up uh, more for uh, people with disabilities. We have engaged in collaborative working agreements with the Braille Institute, uh, particularly providing uh, Spanish-speaking counselors for their uh, members who are dealing with uh, their loss of sight, and uh, we are able to provide counseling for them. Uh, we are an on-site 
uh, also for the Braille Institute for them to learn how to navigate uh, within a center like ours and out in the public. Um, we are also uh, engaging in a diversity, equity, uh, and inclusion initiative. So we have hired uh, three people in our uh, wellness center who are uh, Spanish speaking, and we are in the process of hiring a Spanish speaking uh, person at our front desk to provide information and referral sources. And our website is also now <coughs> bilingual Spanish English. Uh, so we are moving forward in that area and we are seeing more and more people come into the Jossum Center. We are focusing now on uh, currently, and I can happily say that our permit was issued today for our first phase of restroom improvements at the Jossum Center, and it's critical. Uh, we want, our restrooms are not accessible to uh, individuals, primarily those who have wheelchairs or assistive walking devices. Uh, and not a day goes by that one of our staff is not helping one or more people uh, enter our restrooms in our main building. So uh, we are, that is our first phase of our uh, CDBG uh, projects for improving our restrooms. Uh, we have five restrooms, so there are two more in our theater and another one in our wellness center that also need improvement. Uh, so that is what we are focusing on in a multi-phase uh, project to improve our restrooms through community development block grant, uh, to make the Jocelyn Center a more welcoming place and, and place that uh, all members of our community can enjoy and take advantage of. So uh, if there are any questions, I'm happy to answer them, but that is kind of a thumbnail uh, <laughs> A presentation on what we intend to use the funds for. And I'll tell you, the uh, there was a 700 and some page report on what we had to do in terms of uh, accessibility projects for the Jocelyn Center, the estimated uh, cost for those, uh, all of the, for the restrooms alone was around $375,000, and that was in 2018. And I think we all know what's going on with construction costs these days. Uh, so, and I would be remiss not to thank the Cove Communities Commission for also uh, providing some funding for our current project. So thank you very much. Thank you. Any other comments? No other public comment, Madam Mayor. Um, and uh, I see no comments from council at this time. Uh, we will have future opportunities. I do wanna thank all of those who have offered comments uh, for the superlative work you do, uh, would that we had a hundred times as many funds uh, from this program. Uh, but it is helpful, and we will certainly strive to use what's available strategically. Uh, so I will close the public hearing. And that concludes our work for today. Thank you. I'm sorry, Mayor Kelly, this is a public hearing that we need to leave open. Oh, I just unclosed it. I thought that might be the case. So be careful what you say for the next few months. The public hearing is open. Yes. I want to make a quick comment that, um, as Ms. Gallego said, and it's been referenced that uh, we want as much money from CDBG as we possibly can get. And it, there are tremendous administrative costs and time of 
the staff to use those funds, but it's worth every cent because we can get it into our community well. And I wanted to mention that as members of the Southern California Association of Governments, they are working hard to make sure that CDBG is funded appropriately, and in fact, they've been lobbying to have those funds increase. So there's a lot of effort going uh, forward in that for us. Uh, thank you for that happy report. And now our work is concluded for today. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Be well. Thank you. Bye, Gina. Bye-bye.